Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Um, we are in uh, the third part of a series we've called Foundational. You can track along with that in the bulletin you may have found on um, your aisle, or you can certainly tra- track along digitally uh, along with us. And we have looked at this concept, this idea uh, that our foundation is found in Christ. That that's where our foundation is, is located. That's where for us as believers, our foundation is found there. And so, and what we need to recognize is the whole purpose of a foundation is to lift something up, to be there for something to be able to go up, whether it is, it is a foundation to be able to, to leap from, to jump from, to blast off from, to be able to grow and stand on and to go up. That's the whole purpose of a foundation. It's for something to be elevated, something to be able to, to, be, able to be supported. Um, if you don't build on a foundation, all you've got is a patio. Um, that's all you've got is something that when the weather's just right, you can go out and enjoy. Um, but it's not something that's going that you have a habitation for all of the pieces of life. And so what we need to understand that for us as the children of God, that our lives need to be built on the foundation and our lives should then be moving forward. It should be growing and increasing and, and heading in an upward trajectory. And whenever I was a kid in the, in the 80s in Odessa, Texas, uh, you could have not gone two or three blocks um, in at any neighborhood in the 80s. I'm sure it was the case here all over the place, but certainly in Odessa, without seeing in somebody's driveway, in front of somebody's house, on the sidewalk, a bicycle ramp so that some kid could get going as fast as he could and launch himself into the air. And so the day I learned to ride a bike, I jumped the curb. I mean, it was like, that's the whole purpose of riding a bike is to then leave the ground with it. That's the whole reason of it. It's not a mode of transportation. It is a mode of liftoff. And so, but for whatever reason, I don't know what happened to the generations, but you don't see bike ramps ever. And so we walk around our neighborhood on a regular basis. You don't ever see kids jumping their jumping stuff. It's, it's, that's what we did. And so, but while we were building these ramps, you know, you needed to build it just right, you know? And so we would always look for just scrap stuff. So you'd get like a nice, you know, um, one by six or a two by six to be able to, you know, be able to be your ramp and go over that. If you were real good, you got a nice good chunk of plywood so you didn't have to be quite as precise and um, be able to do that. But then you had to have something to elevate it. You had to have something to be able to lift it up. And, you know, you'd find some cinder blocks and be able to, to put those on there. But a lot of times if you're, if you're, your ramp surface wasn't long enough, but then you're, you know, you look like that propped up on a cinder block. And we weren't trying to go to the moon. We just wanted to like get into the air. You're like, no, that's, that's too much elevation. And then you find like a couple of two by fours and you like steal some nails from the fence and make your dad mad and, and, and bang those two by fours together. And then that's just like a little glorified curb that doesn't really work that well. And so we're just looking for the right thing 
to be able to use our ramp to be able to elevate it. And for whatever reason, um, the guys I was building the ramp with, my neighbors, um, they sit around and looking for something just the right width. And they look at their little sister and go, you're the right width. And so recruit uh, their little sister, Shelly, uh, to be our ramp for us. And so, and it sounds terrible, it sounds ter- we were caring, okay, we were considering her. Well, I went and got my mat from my front porch and he got his mat from his front porch, gave her something to lay on, not just the asphalt. You know, we were, we were considerate, you know? And so laid the mats out and then put the wood across her and then, you know, went to jump our ramp off of her. Not realizing, no, she's, she's having to sit there and like stare at us as these 10-year-old, 11-year-old kids are riding, you know, their bikes at breakneck speeds is what it felt. And, and to be able to sit there and launch this off. But then as, as I look back on that moment um, as, a, as a kid, I realized one thing, we needed adult supervision. <laughs> Somebody should have been paying attention to us. And, and, and then the second thing from adult eyes is I just see a picture of Jesus. I just see a picture of Jesus of understanding that our lives needed to be elevated. There was nothing else that was gonna be able to fit the bill. There was nothing else that was gonna be able to do it. And so Jesus laid himself down so that we could be elevated. Jesus willingly laid his life down so that you and I could be taken up so that our entire lives could be lifted. And I just can't help but see a picture of Jesus as he is our foundation. He is the one that we, uh, that has allowed our life to be able to, to move forward and, and to go forward. And in this, we, this developing and growing as a child of God, it is this space of discovering what a wonderful foundation we have in Christ. What, a, what all we have. In fact, Paul writes to the believers in Colossae. Let's read this one more time in this series in Colossians 2, 2. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Jesus is God revealed. The mystery of who is God, what's he about, how does he respond, what does he think, it is revealed in Jesus. You want to understand our heavenly father, you look to Jesus and he reveals the heavenly father. Verse three, it says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm not exactly sure. All right. Somebody can turn that off on the soundboard. All right. I don't even know what to do with this. This is all I got right here. You seen the movie Hitch, you know, just keep it right here. So, uh, all right. My wife told me to stop it and preach. All right. Um, Yeah, and whom are hidden? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. As you grow in learning who God is and what he's done in our lives, that is a place where we begin to, to, to grow and explore the truth of all of the treasure that's hidden in Christ. We understand when we find Jesus, we find a treasure and he is our treasure, but in him is treasure. 
And that's why this, this life in Christ is not boring. That's why we, doesn't, we don't get it all the first dose. We, yes, we understand who Jesus is and that he's, he's accomplished eternity for us and that is wonderful and we're thankful for that. Anytime we have to, 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 to deal with death, we are thankful for the hope we have in Christ, the assurance we have in Christ that heaven is a better place and it is our place because of what Jesus has done and that is wonderful. But guess what? He wants to be a part of our lives here and now, right now. He wants to be a part of that. And Colossians 2, 17 says, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. It is referencing the Old Testament Hebrew Judaic system of worship. All of the law and the prophets, all of the um, the temple worship, all of the feast days, all of that, the Passover, everything was pointing to Jesus. All of it was a shadow. It was the silhouette. And then once we see Jesus, we realize he fulfills all of that, but then fleshes it out and gives us the detail of what God is really like. Before that, all we had was a silhouette of God. All we had was a, an idea of it, but Jesus is Christ, is Christ is God revealed. He brings that out in this place of fullness. And when we understand that in God, in Jesus, we have our sure foundation, we have our solid foundation, we have to remember that a foundation is built not for just the nice, good, average days of life. An engineer, when an engineer is getting involved in a foundation, he finds out what is gonna be the environment that this structure is gonna be built. It's like, is this gonna be in a really wet environment? Is it, is it prone to flooding? Well, guess what? We're gonna have to elevate this foundation. We're gonna have to build it up above the floodplain. Not something that is something that happens once a year, not something that happens once a decade. We're gonna look, what's the 100 year floodplain? What's a 200 year floodplain? We're gonna make sure that this foundation is positioned right to deal with this environment on its worst day. Not its average day, on its worst day. That is there, the foundation is built to be able to deal with the worst day. If the environment is a high wind environment, then guess what? It's gonna make sure that it's not built for a five mile an hour, slightly breezy day. It's gonna make sure that all of a sudden if there's 70 mile an hour sustained winds that that foundation is there to allow the structure to deal with the conditions on its worst day. What's going to be the worst environment? And our foundation is built. We have a sure foundation that all of a sudden we don't have to go find something new. When we find ourselves in our hardest day, we don't need something new. As a believer, you have what you need. When you all of a sudden find yourself in your hardest day, you have the foundation you need. And it is Christ. And God wants to give us strength in our hardest moments. He wants to be able to be there and do that for us in our toughest, hardest moments. And we see one of these shadows of things to come. We see one of these things that gives us a silhouette of what this is gonna look like for us um, in 1 Samuel 30. Now we're gonna look in the life of David. 
And this is David before he's reigning in Jerusalem and he's king over everything. This is David who's, who's still in process. This is David as he is growing as a leader. And, and he's got a group of, of men and their families um, that have united around him, have called him their leader, have, trusting their lives and livelihood uh, in his hands. And David and his men have, have left their families at their homes. They're in a place called Ziklag. And then they've gone out to do what they do, which they are, they're warriors. And they go out to conquer and, and bring the conquered things home. And we catch up with them in 1 Samuel 30, verse 3. It says, and when David and his men reached Ziklag, they were, they were coming back. They, they were deployed and they were, they were coming home. And they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. They've gone out doing their job and they come home and their homes are burned to the ground. All their stuff has been taken as plunder and their, their wives and children taken away as captives. This is the definition of the worst day of your life. This is the definition of the worst day. This isn't the normal kind of hard days we deal with of, of I got a flat on the way to work hard day. My, my, it made me late. My boss chewed me out hard day. And my boss put a little negative comment in my employee file hard day. No, it's, it's, this is a hard day. Punch in the gut, knockout on the mat, trying to catch your breath hard day. We tend to think that we're sitting there having a, having a tough day if all of a sudden they, they run out of pumpkin spice at Starbucks. They're like, are you kidding? I waited in this line. I hung out here. My, I, was, I was the third person hanging out in Sherwood Way. I was 10th in line. I get up here and I can't even have a pumpkin spice. I can't, why am I going to have Thanksgiving? Is it even fall if I don't have pumpkin spice? All of a sudden, you just lose your joy over these things. Some of these things can begin, and we feel like, oh, that's a hard day. That's a hard day. How are you doing? I, it's terrible. I, my day's terrible. What's going on? Well, I was in the middle of my favorite show in Netflix. It's, it's a, it, Netflix lost it. It's gone. I can't watch it. I got a whole season and a half left. It's terrible. I don't even know how it's going to end. That's a hard No, this is not just the frustrations. This isn't a frustrating moment. This is a square, knock your front teeth out punch of life. And that is where we find David. And so verse four, so David, mighty man of valor, leader of warriors, David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep had no strength left to weep these guys just cried and cried i hope you never have one of these moments in your life i hope you never do but i know some of you have i know some of you have had these moments where you find that not only have you exhausted the tears in your eyes but you've cried to where your body physically can't even cry anymore. 
can't have the whimper across your vocal cords, cannot do the little shimmering movement of a cry, cannot have any strength at all to cry at all, and life hits you that hard sometimes. And David is in that moment. David's in that moment where him and his bros, they come back, and that is not what they anticipated. Everything's gone, everything's lost. And they just sit and weep and cry. But you know, but at least David's he's got his guys. He's got his men. And verse five says, David's two wives had been captured and a hoem of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. And each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. So here as these men are weeping and their tears are exhausted and they're gone and they take in that anger and that hurt and that bitterness has not gone anywhere. It didn't leave with the tears. It didn't leave with the strength. The bitterness remained. The bitterness stayed. And as they're sitting there in their place of wound and bitterness, now they're like, somebody's got to pay. And their eyes go to David. You let us. You're the one that had us out doing this thing. You had this grand vision for being able to do this. And then we come home from following you and our wives and our children and all our stuff is gone. You're the one that's gonna pay. Let's stone David. Let's just put him out of his misery. And here's the thing is he didn't even blame them. He didn't even blame them. They're bitter because of their sons and daughters. He's like, I can't. you I can't even say hey you you remember you showed up when you were in debt and distress and and and, and all alone that's what the scriptures say that these families look like when they showed up to David and they all of a sudden now were were had a, had moments of prospering moments of being together and he didn't throw that in their face hey I took you in when nobody else would take you in he didn't do that he he didn't defend himself he understood their pain but David did respond but David found strength and the Lord, his God, he found strength. The King James Version says this, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. How on earth, when you've been gut punched like that, people around you, they're not being a support system. They're ready to kill you. How in the middle of that? You, you don't have a supporting church family. You don't have a supporting small group. Your small group wants to kill you. How do you sit there and, and encourage yourself, find strength in the Lord? We know a little glimpse of this in Psalms 103. It's a Psalm of David and it's not that it was this moment, but this was David's practice. David knew how, whenever his soul began to drift in an unhealthy direction, he knew how 
to speak to his soul, his mind, his will, and his emotions and begin to point them back in a life-giving direction. Let's look at Psalm 103, verse 1. It says, praise the Lord. But it's not just a generic praise the Lord. It's not saying praise the Lord. He's talking. He says, praise the Lord. It's It's a demand. He's making a demand. My soul. He's telling himself, hey, praise the Lord. Hey, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Hey, quit being in this place of bitterness. Hey, don't don't go in the direction of the way your peers are going. You, you need, myself, need to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All my inmost being, praise his holy name, begins to remind himself, his inmost being, what you need to do in this moment is praise his holy name. How? This is a moment where he's like, I've been out here, you anointed me. You anointed me as king. How is serving you paying off? How's serving you paying off? My my wives and children are gone. My home is burnt. People don't want to kill me. How is serving you paying off? But he knew, he knew something, that these places of distress are not permanent. They're not permanent. They're not permanent. It says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He had to remind himself that there, that God was a God who blesses when he didn't feel blessed. It's one thing to say, God, I'm thankful for your benefits when I just see evidence of benefits. But when he's in this moment where it looks like there's no benefits, my home is burnt, everybody wants to kill me, and my wife and children have been, are captives. I, who knows what's happening to them? Ah, all this stuff running through his head, and he feels it going out of control, and he says, praise the Lord, soul. Praise the Lord. Don't forget his benefits. Who? heals all your, uh, who forgives all your sins. He forgives. He forgives my sins. He's forgiven me. He looks at me through a lens of forgiveness. He's forgiven all my sins. When I was the one in somebody's life that God was saying, God, you need to do something about Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark has caused me pain. God was forgiving me in that moment. God was not holding that against me. God was actively forgiving, remembering that we begin from a place of forgiveness, not trying to get forgiven, not saying, God, has this destruction come upon me because of my sin? Was it because I lost it with my boss? Was it because of what I said when the person cut me off on Knickerbocker? Was it because of this or that that all of this has come upon me? No, he forgives me. This is, not, this is not a place where God is punishing me. God forgives me. This is not the consequences of my sin. He's a, he's a God who forgives. And he heals. 
He heals all your diseases. He's talking to himself. Hey, self, he forgives your sins. Hey, self, he heals your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. When do you need to know that he redeems your life from the pit? When you're in the pit. That's when you didn't remember he's the one who lifts you up out of the pit. I think David was in a bit of a pit. I think he was there in the middle of it when all of this had just come upon him at one time. Who crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness. He's still working. We sang it today. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Oh man. Works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. For all the oppressed. He certainly felt oppressed. He certainly was oppressed. And he says, but you work righteousness. You work justice. God is working even when oppression is on. He's working. That's what it looks like to find yourself in the middle of your hardest day ever and to find strength in the Lord, to encourage yourself in the Lord. See, in Jesus, we find strength to deal with the regular ups and downs of life. How do you get used to going to God? How did David know what to do on his hardest days? Because he also did it on his average hard days. We all have average hard days, you know? You come home, rejoin the family at the end of the day. They're like, how was it? And you're like, it's one of those days. And they're like, oh, okay, I get it. And some of you have one of those days a couple times a month. And some of you have one of those days a couple times a week. And some of you have one of those days a couple times an hour. And it's like, oh, it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's one of those minutes. I'm, it's, on, it's on. And so, but they're just the normal ups and downs of life. It's the frustration of waiting in line and they're out of your favorite thing at whatever that might be. It's the frustration of somebody not following through on what they said they were gonna do. It is the things where things just did not go according to plan. It's when all of a sudden there's more month than there is money. There's all of those things and we see that Paul teaches us to begin to lean on, on the strength that we have in Christ in the regular normal ups and downs of life. Philippians 4.13, you know it well, says I can do all things, all of this through him who gives me strength. See this in, you know, the gyms, you know, somebody's gonna make a Christian t-shirt to go lifting, you know, they put this on there because it says the word strength. And so, and it gives us strength and so, and, uh, you know, but this is not the, uh, you know, the, the bench press verse, you know. If it helps you hit a personal max, that's fantastic. But that's not what this is for. Um, let's actually see what this is in reference to. Philippians 4.12, let's back up. It says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. The ups and downs of life. Sometimes, man, life's going good and 
got a little extra jingle in your, in your pocket. You, you don't want to vomit when you open the bank app and go, oh, shut it, shut it. No, you're like, no, let's take a screenshot of that one. All right. You know, you know what it feels like and you know what it is to, to have plenty and, and know what it is to, to not have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether hungry, well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. It's all of the regular ups and downs of your life. I can do all of them through him who gives me strength. Like, do we really need strength in the up? Yes, you do. Let's just look at our own personal prayer lives. Let's be honest. When does our prayer life tend to look a little stronger? It tends to look a little stronger in the down. When things are a little sideways. All of a sudden, things begin to get on the up. And we begin to soften and then we're not leaning into our relationship with God. We're not doing that as much. And all of a sudden, a place of comfort begins to come in and weaken our relationship with God. No, we can keep our relationship with God strong and vibrant even when things are going good. Galatians 6 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the, at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And then in Jesus, we find strength when we're disappointed by people. You know, it's one thing to deal with the disappointments of, you know, your paycheck, you know. Commissions weren't that great and didn't make the sales you needed to make and the paycheck wasn't what it needed to be. And, and you know, eventually it'll, it'll cycle back around and you deal with the ups and downs of finances. But man, sometimes it's a whole, it's a lot harder to deal with the ups and downs of personal relationships. And when you're disappointed by people, but Paul found strength in that space as well. Second Timothy four says at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. The first way to deal with the disappointments is be, is be fast to forgive. They did, they did desert him. He's not saying, oh, I get it, they were busy. No, they deserted me, but don't let it be held against them. Forgiveness doesn't say that it was okay that they did it. Forgiveness doesn't belittle what happened. Forgiveness says, I, I'm not gonna let it have power over me anymore. And I wanna pray it didn't have, that it didn't have power over them anymore. And I don't want it to be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. So in his place of being disappointed by others, he found strength in God. So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever, amen. Here is this space where even in personal disappointment with people, we find strength, but then we also find strength to serve in the new life and leave the old life behind. And honestly, for you and I, growing as disciples, growing as the children of God, moving forward, this is one of the biggest struggles. 
of really being able to step forward in all that God has for you and in and, and the fullness of the life he has, the, the wonderful, beautiful, perfect plan that he has, the assignment on your life to move forward in that because you feel shackled to who you used to be, your old reputation, some of the old habits and mistakes, and God will give you strength to be able to deal with that as well. 1 Timothy 1, 12 says, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord has been poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Even though he was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, even though that was true about him, he, God strengthened him to be able to leave that behind, step forward into what God had for him and live in the newness of life and leave the old behind. I'm here to tell you, if you are trying to live this life in Christ in your own strength, it will exhaust you. Please be freed from that trying to please everybody and, and, and even your idea of what a perfect little Christian should be. You're gonna exhaust yourself, lean on the strength that God has. He will take you from glory to glory. He will move you forward, but you have, it's only his strength that'll do it. You try to do it and say, God, here, look at me. I'm being so awesome for you. I'm doing this and this and this. You're gonna wear yourself out but you begin to lean on his strength. He strengthens you. He is the one who's able to carry you forward. It's only in him that you can live out the fullness of his calling anyways. It's only in him. So our bottom line this morning is this, that Jesus went the full length to give you his strength. He went the full length. He's paid it all. That solid foundation for your worst day, it's already there. You're not having to build it, you're not having to create it, it's already there. What you are having to do is to discover how amazing and sure it is so that you can find strength in anything you face. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.